welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers, where Weaver professionals talk about business and accounting. We'll explore a wide variety of topics from tax law and accounting standard changes to managing cyber, fraud, financial, and operational risks. What do these issues mean to your business? Join us as we go beyond the numbers to find out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Weaver Beyond the Numbers. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Now, today we're explaining the global minimum tax, and joining me is Vince Houck, partner in charge of international tax services at Weaver. Vince, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Nice to be here. Well, it's nice to have you on, man. So let's dive in and let, let's discuss this a little bit. Why are countries around the world interested in the implementation of a global minimum tax? Yeah, so at the core, the, the minimum tax really provides a level playing field for multinationals, especially when it comes to tax. I mean, Tyler, you've probably seen in the headlines like countries feeling that they're not getting their fair share of taxes. Right. And I think really this has been driven by probably two key things. First of all, the digitalization of the economy. I mean, you look at most countries and they're really, their tax laws are really around creating a physical presence to be taxed in that jurisdiction. Well, with digital companies, that's totally different, right? Digital companies don't have to have a physical presence to be earning money in a jurisdiction. So that's one. The other thing too is just over the decades, there's been really countries competing for tax revenue, right? So they've been offering incentives really to try to drive assets and businesses to come to their jurisdiction so that they can get the tax revenue. And this has really led to, you know, really low tax rates across the globe. And really those are the two core reasons I think today we're sitting here and we're talking about, you know, a minimum tax, just to be sure that all these countries feel like they're getting their share of the revenue. Hmm. So let's talk application. How will the global minimum tax be applied uh, in this particular case? Yeah, great question. So, you know, I think there's a lot of different types of minimum tax. I mean, some countries already have a form of minimum tax. But I think the one really today and why it's such a hot topic now is that the OECD has their own version and recently, a couple of weeks ago, they actually, you know, provided a statement. And this statement provided that, you know, they are 136 out of 140 OECD members have really reached consensus on, you know, what this minimum tax might look like. And so there's really, I would say, three key components here. And there's a, uh, you know, there's an income inclusion rule. There is a under tax payment rule. And then there's a subject to tax rule. And really at the core of it, the Income inclusion rule is really what you hear so much about is this minimum tax. And it gets to this, you probably have heard of this 15% rate. And that's really what this income inclusion rule does. And what it does is, say you have a parent company, right? A parent jurisdiction, and they have members across the globe. And so what's going to happen is that parent jurisdiction is going to group all those companies by jurisdiction and figure out what the effective tax rate is. And if the effective tax rate is essentially below 15%, there's going to be a top-up tax that's going to have to be paid. And that, that's going to ensure that, you know, there is a minimum tax. And then the under-tax payment is very similar. I mean, it's still getting at this 15% concept. But what it's targeting is really think about that same parent company again. So parent jurisdiction. And let's just say, though, the parent jurisdiction is not one of these members that actually elects that they want to apply the income inclusion rule. So if they're not going to do that, then there wouldn't be any top-up tax, right? right? No minimum tax. 
So what will happen in that case is that if the if the member country is part of the you know OECD rules and guidelines and they elect into it, well then you know they're going to have in their own laws where you know they're going to adjust their tax base. So it could be denying deductions or some type of adjustment so that they're not getting a deduction so that it's basically achieving that top of tax if you will. So that's kind of at a high level what the minimum tax that you hear so much about with the 15% rate. But then there's also that subject to tax rule. And so that rule's a little bit different. And so that one is really aimed at certain types of payments. So you'll have interest, royalties. Think about any type of payment that can really erode the tax base of a country. And so what happens a lot of times is, you know, you'll get into these intercompany type transactions where, say, one jurisdiction, there's a loan, so interest expense in one jurisdiction, and then interest income in the other jurisdiction. Well, what will happen is, you know, there may be, you're getting a deduction in the jurisdiction that you're making the payment from, and there may be no withholding tax on that. So then the payee jurisdiction, they may provide for no tax, right? And so to combat that, you know, because that's where a lot of tax planning was, is kind of exploiting those rate differentials. Right. So tell me what companies may be subject to the global minimum tax. You, you talked a little bit about, you know, how that might work and, and that sort of thing. What sorts of companies might be might be subject to it? Yeah, I mean, that's another great question. So I think, you know, the first thing I have to remind all my U.S. multinationals is that they're already subject to a minimum tax because mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, we had this tax reform and as a result of that, there's this global intangible low tax income. And so they're already subject to a form of minimum tax. But this one that we're kind of talking about today is really driven by the OECD and all the members of the OECD, which includes the U.S. And they're coming to a consensus as what this minimum tax might be that everyone agrees to going forward. And, and so for this specific minimum tax, there, you know, for the OECD version, there is you know, we got to break it out into two pieces. One is that income inclusion rule and the under tax payment rule. That is going to be subject to taxpayers that are, you know, earning revenue of more than 750 million euros. And, and for the subject to tax rule right now, it's a little unclear, but it seems like there's not really a threshold for that. So that might be able to apply to, you know, regardless of what size revenue you have. Hmm. So earlier you mentioned uh, that, that the current framework provides for a 15% tax rate, right? Uh, quickly, just give us a, an idea of why 15%. Where did that number come from? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, to me, that's an interesting question because you look around the globe, most, most tax rates are well above 15%. The headline rate is way above that. Mm-hmm. But it kind of goes back to my first point that, you know, most cu- countries had really positioned themselves to give a lot of incentives to, to companies to bring them into those jurisdictions. And so effective rates for most companies have been well below, you know, 15%. And, and so with that, you know, it's unclear, you know, why why the 15% rate, but it's very clear that it's, it's going to apply, you know, to a lot of companies. And another thing to remember is that at the core of this, this is about an effective tax rate. So even though there may be a headline rate that's well above 15%, you know, the effective rate must be, might be much lower. And just to give you a quick example, and, and there's probably a lot of examples in this one, there's going to be certain maybe exemptions and stuff. So who knows if this one will apply at the end of the day, but just take the U.S. for example. The U.S. might offer a bonus appreciation. So so what if you have a company that is has heavy capital investment? And in that year, they have so much investment that if they were able to expense it all under bonus depreciation, something like that, 
they get to a very low effective tax rate, right? So again, even though the, the U.S. headline rate is well above, you know, that 15%, they could get in a situation where they could fall into that. So, you know, you really have to, you really have to boil it down to that effective tax rate and what that might look like. Vince Houck, partner in charge of international tax services at Weaver. Vince, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Weaver Beyond the Numbers. Head to weaver.com for more news and insights just like this from the people at Weaver. They provide a lot of great insights here on these sorts of topics. So make sure to visit weaver.com and stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Beyond the Numbers uh, by Weaver. But until next time, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us.